You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everybody, welcome to Webcology. It's uh, Thursday, the 26th of July, uh, 2018. Just so y'all know, this show was pre-recorded on, the, on Tuesday, the 24th. Um, our studio crew is on our way to San Jose to... Uh, do recording at a, a, a conference for Cannabis Radio, um, our sister station. Uh, we wish them Godspeed and good luck. And um, as Dave and I do this pre-record two days before we do our normally live show, we're, um, as you all know, we're doing this in a state of mourning. We, uh, you know, it's weird. We've had a number of... Um, deaths in the industry over the last uh, last year, but this one has uh, hit really hard. Um, maybe I, I, I can't explain I can't explain why except how I know I feel. Um, you probably all know that I'm talking about Jordan Casteller, a uh, 36-year-old beloved young leader in the industry um, who took his own life on Saturday, uh, last Saturday, and uh, left the industry reeling. Um, Dave, I should, I, should, I should bring you in here. It's, um, it's hard news, eh? It, it really is. I, I don't know why, and, and you, you touched on it there. Um, there's been a, a number of, of losses in the industry now. I mean, this one maybe to, um, you know, me most personally, um, because I knew Jordan better than, than you know, uh, most of the other people that we've lost, which is a curse and a blessing, of course, as you know. Um, you <laughs> know, a blessing and, and, in this case, it just hurts right now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, yeah, this one's certainly hitting uh, me personally uh, a lot more. And, of course, you're reflecting back going, I was just talking to him like a couple weeks ago, right? Um, you know, and I mean, I'm sure there's people who... Uh, who are, you know, sort of more uh, set aback than, than I was. But it was really um, highlighting because it, it seems to have gripped the whole industry, and I don't know if it's the, the number of losses that we've taken in such a brief period of time um, or, or this specific loss and that he was so young and you know, every picture of him, he's like beaming that sort of goes, okay, I have no idea what, what depression looks like. I have, I have no idea anymore. Um 
and, and how do we, you know, the, you're, I'm sort of watching the community sort of trying to come together, A, to come to grips with it, um, and then B, trying to go, we, we, we have a problem. Right? Like in, in, yeah. in this community, we, we, we clearly um, have a problem and, and we don't really know the root and everybody's kind of trying to guess, is it, you know, because we're all sitting at desks all day, is it because, what is, is it because of the people that are attracted to it? There's so many questions that I think everybody's trying to answer. Um, and hopefully, um, you know, next week we, we can pull it together for, for this week and obviously we don't have a, have a live show, as, as you pointed out um, this week, but hopefully we can, uh, we can bring somebody in. Um, for next week's show, who who may be able to to help answer? I know we're going to be working to to set that up. So the next week, um, hopefully, we can bring somebody in to have like a, a real conversation about what's going on in our industry, um, and and what people need to know and and do aside from you know the useless you know, buck up and take a walk. Right, that doesn't help. So what 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 can we do, and and how can we help as as community, um, and then also what 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 do you do, and and maybe how do we even know what it looks like because to me it looks like a, a a guy smiling with his with his kid on facebook right and that, that's what it looks like to me right now well depression you know depression looks like all of us i understand there's a stat one in five people 20 percent of uh the people in north america deal with depression at least once in their lifetime and um that's a huge number. That's, 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 that's your coworkers, your, your husband or your wife, um, your brother, sister, and perhaps yourself. Um, perhaps all of us do at some time or another in our lives. And uh, you're right. In the SEO industry or the search marketing, and maybe it's, maybe it's a tech industry thing, but we have a problem. And um, the least we can do with each other is to talk about it. And to that end, I saw on uh, on Facebook yesterday um, Dave Harry and the SEO Dojo. They organized a uh, group conversation. Melissa Falk and the uh, I guess what we'll call them the the, the, the PubCon crew. Um, they organized a group conversation, and this is. Um, This is seems to be a tragedy that's evoking a uh, a strong community response, and um, I think it's great. And, and by the way, to Melissa and to David and to everybody who uh, whose first thought was, you know, how do we help people as well as well as how, how do we mourn ourselves? Um, thank you. Um, and it's wonderful, wonderful to 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 to, to see that the, the community wants to, to to have a response. It is. It really, really is. I know. I was um, sitting on on the chat with with Dave Harry, and he organized it and did it publicly. But I won't name anybody else who was who was there. Um, you know, just I mean, not not that it's it's good or bad. Just you know, that's not my my place to go. Hey, here's who was there, and here's what they were talking about. <laughs> um, but I will say, I was there because I get to do that. Um, and one of the things that I liked hearing, and it was, it, it sort of underpins what I think might be not a cause, but sort of potentially a, a catalyst. But what, what do I know? I mean, I, I admittedly, I, I don't suffer from depression, which is, is great, except when I'm trying to understand it, then it's not. Um, but one of the things that I was hearing and I even was talking about, and I, I mentioned on um, Annie Cushing's, um, you know, Wallace Morning, where she was she was kind of just talking about stuff, and I posted a, a Facebook, fake pay, Facebook status entirely uh, based in reality going, and, and everybody was sort of confessing the things that not just, you know, the, the challenges they've had that we don't know about, but, um, you know, sort of the, the things that don't go on Facebook, right? It's like, I just landed a new client, and they're worth 10 k a month. That's what you see on Facebook from the community, <laughs> right? And at the same time, you know, then I created this sort of fake one, and I'm like, I'm so grateful that Mary can, you know, saved our vegetable scraps and can make, you know, the, and the carcass of a chicken we had two nights ago, so now I can afford to buy a drink at the conference that I'm attending, and hey, it's so awesome that there was a Hojo's a mile away, and I'm walking in 90 degrees in a black suit because now I can get there, right? And, and it's like that doesn't ever make Facebook, and that was me for the first few conferences, right? But that's not a pride point for us, right? Like that's 
that's not what the world sees. And so everybody around you in this industry, we're all marketers, right? Everybody around you is successful as far as you're seeing, right? Everybody has more than you. They've all got the perfect life. They all, there's definitely in real friendships, there's, there's a, um, you know, a, you know, sort of a, a collected, you know, you and I are, are more, you, you knew that I was, you know, wandering from Hojo's a mile or whatever, right? Like, because you and I, been, in the been beginning, yes. before that. yeah, exactly. Um, well, that's, you know, that's what we all had to do at the beginning, right? Like we all, I, I remember the skanky, there was a skanky little like, uh, motel just off the, just off the beaten way, um, in San Jose that I stayed at. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I remember and, writing big words the swamp on the on the front door and so everybody could find my place. <laughs> well, one of the things that I find and, and maybe this is what makes it almost more more sad when it when it happens, um and, and something that maybe we need to be more aware of and maybe more honest with, with other people. We talk about when we landed a ten thousand dollar a month client or whatever, right? I'm making up numbers, but that was one of the ones mm, I heard sure. yesterday. We never talk about when we lost one. Right. And it's like you have somebody like Jordan who was at his peak, right, at, at one point, clearly wasn't right now. Um, you know, and I, I, I know from from chats with him, you know, things were, were tight, but they were starting to come together a couple of days before he was posting that he was going out solo and had just started a company. Right. And announced it yeah. on Facebook like Thursday. Um, you know, and, and but he's sitting in a spot, in, or, or was, um, in a spot where everybody around him, many of whom started later, are still going, I just landed a $10,000 a month client, and he's got a, a you know, a, a family he's, he's dealing with and, and stuff like that, and yeah. he should be, but wasn't, and I, I don't know what the solution is. Like, do we also need to be honest about our failures to make it more, or at least have a space where we can do that and go, here's actually the things I screwed up too, right? Like here's, here's, or not even screwed up necessarily, you know, here's, here's, here's what I'm dealing with, right? Like here's, here's the, the falling down points that are, that are happening in my life just so people can go, oh, okay, right? It's not all sunshine and roses, um, you know, there's, there's challenges everybody has. There are people who understand what it's like to, you know, boil down a chicken carcass to make soup because that has to be dinner, right? Like the, there's people who, you know, do people need to know that maybe, maybe they, maybe they do. And maybe that could help, or at least not be one more thing they can't accomplish. Well, we all have to understand that, you know, you know, it's, it's funny. We are by far, by far the uh i'm not gonna say the most privileged i I didn't want to say the most privileged generation but i shouldn't because we have mega challenges in front of us ahead of us Mm -hmm. but earth is a rather hostile place and it always has been um we are one of the first generations to live on um you know uh, the Earth is, is 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 well tamed in our world, um, and it's uh, and because of that, I think people just expect everything to be perfect all the time, yeah. and they forget that life is actually full of great challenges. And that's what builds character. Now, now, I don't think that was uh, honestly because Jordan had great character. The, the man already did have amazing character. There's a reason he was a young leader in the industry. Mm-hmm. You know, beyond, he really did have the SEO chops. He understood this industry, and he understood how 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 the web and how search worked. He got it. Mm-hmm. But there was there was more to him than 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 that. You know, there was an empathy that he had for others. That um, honestly, I think empathy in 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 in, in many ways is what helps us to understand that struggles happen in our lives and in everybody else's life. The greatest link builder of all time, the, 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 the best in the industry, every, you know, you, you think of, if you if you think of people like, are you the best in the world or not? This person was the best in the world, Eric Ward. Um, lost a struggle with depression. Yeah. Um, 
I'm, I'm sorry. I almost I just lost track of what I was trying to say. But there's, there's an empathy. Well, oh yes, indeed. Eric is considered, or was considered, the best at what he did in our field, which makes him the best in the world. Um, and he had great struggles. You know, we all do. That was the point. Yeah. Um, one day, with permission from uh, from 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 my partner Shauna, um, one day I'll talk about my own struggles. You know, um, but I assure you, they are manifest and they are great. Um, and yeah, we do need to appreciate that. And by the way, my life is amazing. I have I've wonderful stuff happening. Business is good, all that sort of stuff, right? But you know, we all have stuff we got to go through. Yeah. <sighs> okay, and. Um, you know, the, um, the world moves forward always, whether you like it or not, you like it or not. Jordan Casteller, brother, um, you were a great person. You were going to be greatly missed. And, um, and yeah, um, I wish you were here. Indeed. Indeed. Rest in peace, bro. Yeah. Okay, what else happened in the world? Oh my God! I mean, how do you even think that? Eh? What else happened in the world this week? What other stuff happened in the world this week? And um, search keeps ticking forward. Search keeps ticking forward. In fact, search ticked forward. Uh, there was there was an Algo update this weekend. Um, did, did, did you notice uh, anything from it? You know, what? I didn't. Like when I when I looked at, I was following it, so I guess I noticed it because we're talking about it, and I, I heard it. But um, you know, every time there's an algo update, it's like, oh, okay, let's you know start checking different clients, different locations. Um, there were some tremors in local, um, but it, it could have naturally been part of the just sort of normal ebb and flow, things moving like a position up or down a map, right? I mean, what. Yeah, that that could have been the update. That could have been I hadn't checked in a couple weeks. <laughs> like, um, but but more or less, I, I didn't notice much on my end. How about uh, how about with your clients? No, I haven't noticed a whole bunch of shift or anything. But when I was when I was looking, and admittedly, I was <laughs> this, this happened yesterday, and yesterday was I was useless yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um. It was occurring to me that Google algo updates these days are often, um, or what we perceive to be algo updates, uh, and they are, they are algorithm updates. Google is, is looking at things or doing things slightly differently. Um, sometimes they're how the search results are being constituted updates. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so Google has to pull a little bit more information from different parts of a website or is looking for something different because it's, it's trying to constitute um, uh, search result pages differently, yeah. Um, or it's reacting. It's reacting to its own evolution, moving towards um, a vocal-driven search. So we hear, or we understand, or we perceive that an algorithm update happens. The Moz weather report goes crazy, or um, <laughs> uh, John Mueller says something, and then and, and, and Barry reports it, and uh, we all start looking immediately at. Um, has ranking or has um, anything changed in Search Console? Well, that might be where to look. Maybe maybe something else is going on, and Google's moving um, its own needle. That and we'll we'll see those results a week or two from now. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. No. That's that's altogether um, altogether possible. And and I mean we have to remember, and I know you know this, but for our listeners, just sort of a. When we're talking about when an update is announced um, like this, you know, Barry will go, hey, there's a lot of talk and it appears that there's an update. Between that and the last one, we're not in the early 2000s Google Dance every every four to six weeks, right? There there were probably dozens of updates yes. between any two points that we're actually talking about them. Um and you know, and that's that's great, um, but there it, it makes a lot of sense that you wouldn't notice them. And especially, I don't know about you, um, most of our clients tend to fall into a couple niches. So there's a lot of updates that just don't end up impacting our clients. We we tend to work in travel and high tech, um, and I, I don't know if that's because 
I've never actually purposely done it. I think it's because when I'm on the phone, I get super excited about travel and high tech. <laughs> so I can sell it really easily well, because I love it. Um, that case, I mean, like in that case, you, the, 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 the travel sector has been rocked by Google. Uh, and then exactly what I was talking about earlier, it's not necessarily an algorithm update. It's a change in the way Google's presenting information. The sectors you work with specifically have been rocked by change in the last year. Um, in fact, I'm looking at a bunch of stories, a story, uh, stories that we're, we're going to be reporting on today, most of which involve how Google's dealing and basically glomming over the entire like hotel booking industry. Yeah. Yeah, they really, really are. Um, for listeners who aren't following it, if you have any, if you're at all involved in travel, really, it's, it's going it, to, this, pay attention. <laughs> um, it, not just to me, just, I mean, uh, pay attention to, to what's going on um, in the sector. Over the last couple weeks, this happened, uh, two updates happened in travel right at the end of last week and specifically related to hotels. Um, and then one again this week, basically at its core, and, and you can look them up, but um, at its core, Google is making massive changes to the data that is appearing when you are starting to search. When you're looking up hotels, they're trying to give you more information about what's around you in that hotel. A lot more pricing information that puts them not just equal to what, say, Expedia or Booking or whatever would, would be able to, to tell you, but actually surpassing them and aggregating all their data in. Basically, and, and, and to me, they want to be this one-stop shop. They want to clearly own this. Um, but even past that, even if you're not running a hotel, it's a, important to be paying attention because this isn't just hotels. This is where they start. <laughs> uh, and we see them doing some work into flights. That doesn't appear to be their their core sort of focus right now. In, in, I mean, and they might be working on it internally. I might be wrong as to what they're doing internally. They might just be rolling this out, and they're, like, hammering home flights. They've done a lot of great work in it. But they clearly want to own, and I'm going to steal from Bill Slosky. We talked about him a bunch last week, but the things versus strings. And he's not the first to coin it, but he keeps saying it, so he's the name that's stuck in my head on it. Um, but the idea of entities and, and being a person and what Google clearly wants to understand and carry forward is they know what my phone is. They know what that is wandering around and they know what cafes that you know this entity named Dave Davies likes to go to but now they want to own where I'm going and how I get there um, and they're going to do it right like that's almost inevitable unless the EU starts stepping in and just crushing them on that one too but um, I, I think it's 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 really really interesting if you are in the travel space Pay close attention to what they're doing in hotels because it's going to be very telling. Um, and we've only covered a few of these stories. They're opening up APIs in different ways. They're opening up how you can list your your um, hotels in hotel search um, through through paid search um, differently now. And they're they're opening that up and making it a lot easier for sort of individual hotel owners to deal with it. it it's some really really interesting stuff that they're doing, and it's going to. But cascade. most importantly, mm -hmm. most importantly, they're basically opening up the cranium of the entire industry, scooping all the brain material. Not Knowledge out, splaying it across Google search results, and um, leaving the desiccated corpse of the former ho uh, hotel booking industry sort of like uh, withering like a few miles back. That, yeah. That's what I see happening. Yeah. It's a lot like schema. It's like, tell us all this schema. Or, you know what, let's go back a little bit before schema. It's a lot like authorship. Give us the authorship. Give us the authorship. Yeah, okay, and now you understand how authors work. <laughs> and now you can't, okay, we don't need that anymore. And then they had us, you know, told us it was it was gone now. They got what they needed, and I think they're doing the same with schema, and they're going to be doing a lot of the, the same stuff um, here, where it's like, show us this, give us this. Okay, we got it. You don't need to give it to us anymore. We're going to help your competitors out. <laughs> like on top of you. Now we understand the structure, and, and we're gonna we're gonna do it. But I think we need to pay attention. The thing that's specifically interesting to me in this one is that it's significant layout changes. It is based on content, but it's layout changes, and it's I think it's pretty telling as to where they're going visibly and how they're putting that content out. Um, it's telling not just to what they what they need. So what we need is SEOs, but also. Um, what users are wanting, the, the formats that people are, are looking for information in. Well, again, um, change, ch 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 changes, eh? Like, and, 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 and I think I think you made a good point. Um, they're not just doing this in hotels. Hotels are, hotel bookings are a multi-billion dollar uh, 
your business, of course, but um, given all the other verticals they can also do that in, do this in, hotels is just one of hotels, hotels itself, maybe small potatoes, but it's one of uh, millions of small potatoes in this massive field called life that Google's looking at cultivating. Indeed. Indeed. Um, this is, oh my God, you know, the, we are the matrix. Seriously. <laughs> the, the, the difference is we actually get to move around and do stuff, probably. <laughs> or at least we think we do. Uh, well, probably. Now, okay. Go ahead. Well, 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 uh, we're getting close to time. I mean, like, I, I actually, we've, we've kind of run over time. We have to take a break soon. But we should actually probably tell the listeners that they're in for Mazda views. Mazda views. Mazda views. <laughs> yeah, Mazda views. Last week, you were in Seattle, eh? I was. Um, I was attending MozCon. It was. Uh as always, a, a great event. It's one of my favorite conferences. Um, and, uh, in part, MozCon's great, in part because Seattle's awesome. Um, <laughs> it's one of my favorite cities. Um, but yeah, I, I grabbed a couple interviews that we're going to be listening to right after this. I got uh, Jono Alderson. I may have just mispronounced his name. I, I didn't in the interview because I checked right before them, but I might have right now um, from Yoast, um, who who's, uh, did a great session and uh, had a great chat with him about how SEOs should be working and how we should not be wasting our time. It, it's it's great. Um, and then chatted with fellow Canadian Rob Bucci uh, from Stat Search Analytics about just a wide array of stuff. I mean, the guy has access to data. Just stay tuned and, and listen in. The, it's a really smart guy, and I'm hoping to grab him on the on the show for a full uh, a full uh, forty uh, or, or hour long session to uh, to really dig in further to, to some of the stuff that he touches on in uh, the interview here at uh, or there at Mozcon. That, that would be way cool. Um, yeah, Webcology teaching how to speak Canadian since 2007. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Uh, you know, we we've shortened it just to yay. Yay. <laughs> Okay, we got to take a break here on Webcology. Uh, friends, you are listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. It is the 26th of July, uh, 2018. On behalf of Dave Davies from BSOC Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedge from Digital Always Media. Stick around. We got some Mazda views after these, uh, after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. There are over 70 million active podcast listeners in the U.S. WebmasterRadio.fm reaches them all with the largest global distribution of any online business-to-business podcast network. Through iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app, we can target and place your message in front of those active listeners immediately. Now, your message can be delivered with less commitment and investment on over 20 hours of weekly original content hosted by the most respected names in digital marketing. Thanks to an exclusive private offer available for a very limited number of companies. But you must act fast. Email brasco at wmr.fm and get your message delivered now. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. This is Dave Davies here at MozCon 2018. I am joined by Rob Bucci. So you, uh, our, our listeners, are in for a treat here. He's from Stat Search Analytics. Had an outstanding session. Rob, you, you were chatting about, well, I, I'm going to leave it open. Near versus far, Google making intents for us. What do you mean by that? Yeah, sure. Uh, the way we did it was we looked at the different kinds of queries that people might use locally for local queries and how they might signal different kinds of intent. So the example I gave was like sushi near me versus sushi in Seattle versus best sushi. Like what are the intents of those and how well does Google understand them? 
Okay, that's that's of course a lot. Like I, maybe some of our listeners, and, and you had some slides going here, so it was, oh, yeah. it was a little easier to get those intents. Now we have something like sushi near me. Yeah, that has a certain intent, and maybe best sushi that has a different intent. What do these intents mean, and, and what the heck am I supposed to do with that information? Sure. So, for example, take sushi near me. We measured the distances of the results that are being returned, and we determined that for near me queries, those results are most hyperlocal. So Google's giving people results that are closest to where the search is being done. But of course, it's hard for SEOs to predict where a search is going to do their searching from. So we were able to say things like, for example, when near me queries are used, the average Google rating in those results is lower. So if you have a business that uh, doesn't have perhaps the best Google ratings, you might want to try to go after those near me queries because the bar to entry is a lot less high than it would be for like best sushi, let's say. Okay, so now if you're going for it, I, I'm going to have to dig a little bit here for, for some, 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 I know you guys know a lot of stuff. Um, so, okay, if you've got somebody like Best, which, which you were talking about, now you're, you're going into reviews, there, there's a bunch of different things that you can do with that information other than just sort of being Best. It's hard to get to know, to actually turn that into a metric that Google might sort of use. Mm-hmm. Have you guys found anything that Google is using specifically? If you are the best sushi, for yeah. example, are, are there specific metrics you guys are monitoring that are telling people, yeah, this is kind of what you should be doing? Yeah, two interesting things that we saw was that for best queries, one is that the average Google rating is higher, but also there's like a higher number of ratings that those businesses seem to have. So we could make the recommendation that if you want to be a best business, you have to have a certain number of ratings and they have to be higher. We also know that when Google uh, responds to a best query, they're willing to cast a wider net to select more eligible businesses, and therefore your rating is more important than your proximity to the search rate. Now, you guys have a lot of information. I mean, I, I only know that because I've known of you guys for forever. You guys collect a lot of information mm-hmm. across a, a wide array. Now, here we're talking about search or intent as it relates to local and the different way metrics can be used. What does Google view as the intent primary purpose? How does this expand outward? Are you guys seeing the, the same sort of thing on, on a more global scale with specific intents being sort of inferred from Google on, on specific types of queries? Yeah, absolutely. We see more and more that uh, the types of SERPs that we're looking at are often guided by intent. So we know, for example, like when knowledge queries are used and it shows an intent at the top of the funnel to learn more about a product or a service or a category, there's more things like featured snippets and videos, right? And the SERPs change organically as you go further down that funnel and your intent changes. The types of like UX, uh, pay, the UX that Google wants to deliver in the search is different for the different types of intent. So it's definitely having like an all-encompassing effect across all of the search, not just local. So what you're saying then is really, if you, if you want to rank, you have to have everything then. It's just a small little task, just just have every possible <laughs> intent covered and, and you're pretty much good to go. Uh, that's not very practical <laughs> advice. So, I mean, I think it really depends on what the strategy is, right? No one tries to solve every problem at once, but you might say for one, you know, Q1, I'm going to focus on my top of funnel. And if you decide to focus on your top of funnel, then that guides the kinds of content you're going to make, the kinds of queries you're going to look for, and the kinds of intent that you're going to try to target. So take one thing at a time. Don't try to be all things to all people all at once. Pick your uh, pick your goals and achieve them. Move on to new goals. This is one of those rare rare occasions I, I get to ask where I'm going to basically ask you to pitch me because I, I think our listeners might go, yeah. So this Rob guy says this. Why does this even matter? Versus you know, Bill down the road writing an article on his blog about it. What sort of data do you guys have? And and I think our, our listeners will be impressed by this because I already know the answer. What kind of data do you have to back this sort of understanding of user intent? Oh man, I mean, there's just so much data that I almost don't know where to begin. I would say that our uh, that your listeners should go to the GetStat blog and should look at some of the uh, intent white papers that we've done. Just last year, we did a really deep, massive white paper on how Google response to different kinds of intent signals. Uh, there's just, there's so much data that it's so obvious that it's like someone explaining to me, like, like or asking me to explain to them why the sky's blue, or convincing them the sky's blue. It's like, it's so obvious, just look at the data. Um, we see the SERPs change. So we look at SERPs on a massive scale every single day, and we see millions and millions and millions of queries with different kinds of intent signals, and we see how the SERPs are different. Like, firsthand, we see the changes, and we know that Google is uh, architecting different kinds of experiences for searchers depending on what kind of goals they have for their searching behavior. So if we look at what Google already knows and that Google has more knowledge than us about what people want when they search for something, it seems obvious to us to pay attention to the signals on the SERP and use that data to help uh, augment your strategies and do better. 
Now, what sort of volatility are you guys seeing right now in, in different SERP layouts for different types of intents? Is Google starting to solidify around their understanding of intent, or is there still a lot of volatility going on there? I think it's like a never-ending thing. Like, really, you have to look at Google as the world's largest consumer research experiment that's happening in real time. And they're always changing, so there's no sense of like the volatility spiking and then normalizing. I think it's just as new signals come in, or as as the world changes, or as people's desires change, Google adapts. For background noise. Um, volatility is an interesting concept, depending on like what aspect. This is Dave Davies here at MozCon 2018. I am joined by Rob Boutis. You, uh, our, our, our listeners are in for a treat here. He's from Stat Search Analytics. Had an outstanding session. Rob, you, you were chatting about. Well, I'm going to leave it open. Near versus far. Google making for us, what do you mean by that? Yeah, sure. And I don't really uh, see the way we did it was we looked at the different kinds of now, do you see anything coming up that we might, and you don't even have to give specifics because it's hard to predict something you don't so yet know or, or you may like not have seen. Google's making massive, I mean, it's a recurring theme. We're hearing a lot about machine learning, we're hearing a lot about sort of the evolution of algorithms with entities and, and things like that. Okay, that's of course a lot like maybe some of our listeners and you have to fly things in here, so it's a little easier to get those sort of now we have something okay, we need to start tracking some new stuff because we haven't seen that has like a certain intent uh, and maybe best sushi that has cool, a different intent kind of foresight what do these intents say, mean like, and, and this is what the heck am i supposed what to do, do with that information is that google would rather sure. rely so, on latent intent signals than like you measure the intent signals and i think they're trying to push harder to get better at that so a latent intent signal is like the location of a search versus like what somebody actually searched for of course an inferring for intent is local because they know that they're on a mobile device and it's hooked up to their car and they're traveling somewhere and it has nothing to do with actually what they search for. I think Google's really interested so in those kind of business signals because uh, they're the more natural, easier to game, and they also provide more of a magical search entry is a lot more high than it would be for like best Right, now we go back, say, five years, and there was no Okay, so now if you're going for it in Seattle, I search. Dig a little bit here and then I would get a whole array of different analogs and have to sort of struggle my way through there. So, okay, if you've got somebody like Bass, which you were talking about, now you're going into reviews. in the way users are reacting as Google's getting better and better, are we sort of, sort of relying on them to get to know intent now more than maybe we used to? To actually turn that I into that a metric that Google might sort of use. Have you guys found anything that Google is using specifically? If you are the best sushi, for example, are there specific metrics you guys are monitoring that are telling people, yeah, this is kind of what you should be doing? Yeah, two interesting things that we saw was that on best queries, one is that the average rating search has gotten more like voice activated and just more natural and more like so we can make a presentation every aspect of our life. I think people are, you have to are, have a certain less catering to, to the machines and more just being natural and how they Google, communicate to uh, responds to is getting better and better. They're willing to cast a wider net to select more. So how much are you guys seeing? And you guys have a, a lot of stats and I'm relying on you just being able to pull them out of the, the top of your head and, and pull <laughs> these understanding. So it might not be a bit fair. So I'm going to have to drag I you onto the show that sort of a prep of guys forever. You guys collect a lot of information across a wide array. Now here we're talking about search intent as it relates to local about a different I mean, you guys are, are, are stat primary in your company, purpose. right? You're, you're stat. How does this expand? How much of a nightmare is Are you guys seeing the, the same sort of thing on, on a more global scale with specific intents being sort of inferred through Google on how impactful their marketing yeah, is we see more and more that, when there may not uh, ever be a click and they're just running a search with their voice and getting directions from their phone? We know, for example, knowledge queries are used and shows an intent at the top. Take a second and take a deep breath when it comes to voice because I think it only applies to a very narrow spectrum of types of activities. Search change organically as you And it's also only Google that has a true search integration. UX, Alexa, UX serial like linked to a Bing search URL, right? So Google's the only player in that space that has any impact. But the types of queries that people are So what you're saying then is really, if you want to rank, you have to have everything. It's just a small little task. Just just have every possible intent covered and you're pretty much good to go. Google action, I mean, I think it really depends on what the strategy is, right? That's not tries to solve all the problem. Right? Like, like, you might say for one, you know, so it's a completely different space. I'm going to focus on I think that it's a big nightmare for us. No, I mean, anything that results in people searching more is going to make sense because we're always going to be there measuring the results of what they see for their searches. And we can do that for choice to be all things to all people all at once. Um, um, for SEOs tracking it, that's a whole other question. This is one of those rare, rare occasions I, I get to ask where I'm going to basically ask you to pitch me because I, I think our listeners might go, yeah, so this Rob guy says this, why does this even matter versus recommendation for build down the road and I know an article for this blog about it. Well, okay, maybe after Moz, 
I'm on my way back, <laughs> I'll, I'll be reading that. By this, I if you had to the give kind of some advice on things people sort of aren't following right now, I mean, you guys, again, oh, have access I mean, to there's just so much data that I almost don't know where to begin. What are things that you're seeing that people are just, you're not looking at because you don't know to look, and it's, you know, this, I often refer to, like, advanced segments and analytics. People don't use them. It's front and center on the bleeding screen, and people don't even think to use them. What are you seeing a metric people aren't looking at right now that they really should be? Rather than a metric, I'm going to give you guys more like a perspective for this data. It was my key um, takeaway from my last talk, which is that so we look I get to see a lot of massive scale search tracking day, strategies. And I get to have a millions and millions and millions of queries with different kinds of uh, intent signals. And we see how the search is different. The whole, people like, don't segment and see the changes. And we take those keywords and group them into logical sets based on their attributes and then measurements for searches depending on what kind of goals they have. And that's like a basic data science practice for you. Google already knows that Google has more knowledge over time about what people want with their searches. That's where you find all the most incredible insights. It seems obvious to us to pay attention the signals on the server data is so data unique and amazing how do you do it and it's simple it just comes down to now what sort of volatility are you guys seeing right now in, in different SERP layouts for different types of intents is Google okay, not, starting not, to solidify too around bad. you couldn't even give tangents there's still a lot of volatility there is no specific advice like you could give thing. to people like, here's really how to do that how would a person who's never done that before for our listener who's just sort of trying to get their feet better they're a business owner they've never even looked at analytics how do you even start down that come in or as sure. uh, you want to be able to take a look I think the best thing to do is take a look at your keywords um, themselves this will give you a feel for how to segment on like what aspect you have all your keywords about pull up all the keywords that have like the tracking volatility can be useless in some areas that are really fruitful in other areas like for example tracking volatility like segment them based on the ranking could indicate that you're going to lose that see how the SERPs are different because those words are on the whole like how Google changes the intent of life on the SERP so by breaking them out you're then measuring just that particular do you see anything coming up that we might and you don't even have to give specifics because it's hard to predict something you don't yet know or, or you may so not have seen. Google's making massive, I mean, it's a recurring thing. We're hearing a lot about machine learning. We're hearing a lot about sort of the evolution of algorithms and things like that. Are we going to start seeing a, a bunch of new things? Are there going to be right, well, things that, that even you guys are sort of summary or thrown off into this and go, okay, we need to start tracking some new stuff because we haven't seen anything like blog. I guess gets that. We covered that a little earlier and highly recommended reading. But how do they get the kind that I can say like for figure out how to get access changing. and get their hands on some real data. What I do feel is that Google yeah, would rather rely on the latent intent signals than like user-defined intent signals. Today, and I think we're trying to push harder to get better at that. Go to getstat.com slash latent intent signal. There you can download the location of the search versus what somebody actually searched for. And inferring that their intent is local because they know that they're on a mobile device and it's hooked up to their car and they're traveling somewhere. And it has nothing to do with actually what Folks, that was Rob Bucci from Stat Search Analytics here at MozCon 2018. Thanks so much. Natural, easier to game, and they also provide more of a magical searching experience to people. Google just knows what you want. Right now, we go back say five years, and there was no way. If I wanted pizza in Seattle, I searched pizza in Seattle, and and then I would get a whole array of different ten links yeah. and have to have to sort of struggle my way through there, or maybe the map would kind of pick a few of them up. Are you seeing changes in the way users are reacting as Google is getting better and better? Are we sort of relying on them understanding our intent now more than maybe we used to? I think that has definitely changed uh, when you compare it to like the full history of Google, like like from day one, right? Because it used to be that humans were conditioned to search in a robotic way for very robotic search engines. Like we, we changed the way we typed to remove stop words and focus on key terms and things like that. But as search has gotten more like voice activated and just more natural and more like uh, omnipresent in every aspect of our life, I think people are... Are, are less catering to the machines and more just being natural in how they communicate to Google. And Google's getting better and better at understanding that. Uh, so that's you know pretty cool. So how much are you guys seeing? I mean, you guys have a, a lot of stats, and I'm relying on you just being able to pull them out of the, the top <laughs> of your head and, and pull these understanding. So it might not be a bit fair. So I'm going to have to drag you onto the show with sort of a prep of like, here's here's the direction I'm going to go rather than just, just firing them at you here. Voice search. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. How much? I mean, you guys are, are, are stat. The entire name of your company, right? Your your stats. How much of a nightmare is that for you? And by extension, how much of a nightmare is that for sort of the, the average person with their Google Analytics to try and figure out yeah. how impactful their marketing is? When there may not ever be a click, and they're just running a search with their voice and getting directions from their phone. Yeah, I it. So we really have to take a second and 
take a deep breath when it comes to voice because I think it only applies to a very narrow spectrum of types of activities or search of behaviors. And it's also only Google that has a true search integration. Like Alexa and Siri all like link to a Bing search URL, right? So uh, Google's the only player in that space that has any impact. But the types of queries that people are, are, are doing are generally like largely informational queries or not converting queries. So people are worried about like, how do I convert voice search? I'm like, you don't. Unless you actually build a like Google uh, action for like, okay, Google, and you hook your company up to that, that's not a search at all though, right? That's like a, that's a voice action. So it's a completely different space. I think that, um, is it a big nightmare for us? No, I mean, anything that results in people searching more is good for our business, because we're always going to be there measuring the results of what they see for their searches. And we can do that for voice the same way we can do that for anything else. Um, for SEOs tracking it, that's a whole other question. I think the people who have done the best work in this area is a company called Roast. They're an agency based out of the UK, and they did some incredible research on voice search, which I highly recommend everyone check out. Wow. Okay. And a good recommendation for, for some more stuff. And I know after this, I will be, well, okay, maybe after MozCon, yeah. while I'm on my way back, I'll, I'll be reading that. If you had to give some advice on things people aren't following right now, I mean, you guys, again, have access to enormous amounts yeah. of data. Yeah. What are things that you're seeing that people are just, you're not looking at because you don't know to look and it's, you know, this, I, I often refer to like, advanced segments and analytics. People don't use them. It's front and center on yeah. the bleeding screen and people don't even think to use them. What, what are you seeing a metric people aren't looking at right now that they really should be? Rather than a metric, I'm going to give you just more of like a, a perspective or a discipline. And it was my key takeaway from my MozCon talk, which is that like, I get to see a lot of SERP tracking strategies and I get to have a front row seat for a lot of people's keywords uh, and how they track their keywords. And I can tell you that on the whole, people don't segment enough. People don't take those keywords and group them into logical sets based on their attributes and then measure them independently of the whole set. And that's like a, a basic data science practice where you, you build a set and you maintain it static and you track how it changes over time. And that's where you find all the most incredible insights. Like people always tell me, hey Rob, your guys' research and your data is so unique and amazing. How do you do it? And it's very simple. It just comes down to having the ability to break things into groups and measure them and then look at the differences and benchmark everything. Okay, and that's that. I guess to that, you couldn't even give not you, not anybody. There is no specific advice that you could give to people. Here's how to do that. How would a person who's never done that before, for for our listener who's just sort of trying to get their feet wet, or they're a business owner, they've never sure. even looked at analytics. How do you even start down that path? Sure, uh, you want to be able to take a look. For I think the best thing to do is take a look at your keywords themselves. This will give you a feel for how to segment and the potential of it. So you have all your keywords. Pull out all the keywords that have like the word best in them and then put them in a separate bucket and track them separately from all the keywords that have the word like learn, let's say. Like segment them based on the actual words themselves and you'll start to see how the SERPs are different because those words are like a key part of how Google determines the intent of the search. So by breaking them out, you're then measuring just that particular intent, best intent versus affordable intent versus uh, proximity intent, right? So segmenting on the words is the most accessible way for people to start doing it. And once you start to see the benefits, I think you'll start to look for ways to do it better and better and better and better. And hopefully that leads you you know, to come in and check out, check out us at Stat because that's what we do really, really well. So. All right, well that, that leads to a, a great sort of summary or, or conclusion to this. How do people, well A, get to your blog, I guess, get Stat, we, we covered that a little earlier and highly recommended reading, but how do they get in touch with you guys and, and actually figure out how to get access and get their hands on some real data? Yeah, our website's getstat.com, but if you wanna like learn more about this intense stuff that I'm talking about today, or I've talked about at MozCon, go to getstat.com slash MozCon. There you can download like a white paper that's the backing for my entire MozCon talk, so everything I talked about is in there, but is better, it's clearer, because it's an essay format. Uh, and on there, you can also fill out a form if you want to learn more about the product as well. Fantastic. Folks, that was Rob Bucci from Stat Search Analytics here at MozCon 2018. Thank you so much. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. Ready to do a podcast for your business? Make that podcast elevate to enterprise level. Let webmasterradio.fm expedite and execute your podcast to build your brand and broaden your customer base. Webmasterradio.fm has worked with the world's biggest tech brands, Google, Yahoo, and Bing, and have worked with fast-growing brands like ShipStation and GoDaddy. Now it's your turn. Contact brasco at wmr.fm. 
and rush your enterprise level podcast into production at a very reasonable rate. Email brasco at wmr.fm. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. This is Dave Davies here reporting live from uh, MozCon 2018. I'm on, he just said it seconds ago. I'm going to ruin his name anyway. John Alderson. Okay, seems like I got that one right. Uh, who did an outstanding presentation on day one. Outstanding. Uh, so, uh, you know what, I'm just going to let you tell me what you'd said, even though I was, I was pretty much gripped all the way through it, but what were you covering in this, in this session? Oh, gosh, so, um, so much to go over. Essentially, um, I think we've reached the point where SEO is now too complex and too sophisticated and too intertwined with all the other disciplines like analytics and CRO and performance to um, manage as individuals. Like, we've learned so many things and we've piled on all these skills and responsibilities and we're starting to break, we're struggling, we are struggling to keep up, we're struggling to affect change and I think there is just, the, the problem we're facing is there's just too much stuff. And the solution to that is to stop trying to own everything and to be the gatekeepers of all the knowledge and all the solutions, stop trying to be rock stars and unicorns, and to start to look for opportunities to democratize, to skill share, to empower other people, and to stop being the, the barrier to all things SEO and really start to be curators and mentors within organizations. So now that leads me to what everybody's first question <laughs> probably was. If I teach other people how to do my job, how do I still have a job? Sure, so I think it's not like we're short of stuff to do. Like one of the resounding themes from MozCon this year has been there are so many different areas um, for us to focus on, so many different disciplines, and yet we are struggling to make progress. Nobody's really winning, nobody's really achieving everything they want to achieve. I think actually having less stuff on our plates to do might let us make more progress and more impact. You know, one of the other themes has been slow down, focus more, focus more on um, how organizations work and how psychology and collaboration works with individuals. I think there's opportunity for us to be much more effective and get more stuff done and have better job security if we're just better at uh, having stuff come out the other end of our recommendations and processes. And at the moment, that doesn't happen because we're so paranoid about giving away ownership of SEO. So it's funny, while you were speaking, I was thinking of large, large companies, large agencies, and I, I couldn't help but think to myself, what he's really saying is, leave the drone work to an intern and keep the creative work for yourself. Is, is that a, a pretty fair evaluation? Yeah, I think so, and I think that extends to um, all sorts of areas within SEO. It's something I've talked about in the context of um, the client agency relationship as well, where um, increasingly it feels like doing SEO isn't um, labor anymore, it's, it's intelligence. It's a, um, a field of understanding um, how to prioritize and how to strategize and how to manage finite resources. That's the sort of thing that's valuable, not the doing, not the writing the meta tags, not the executing the, the, the page speed improvements or the tweaking the analytics tags. Those kinds of things are commoditized, relatively easy to, um, to do and to execute. The, the skill set is an understanding how it all connects to, together, where the priority should be, how the moving parts work. And I think that's what we're really good at. I think as SEOs, we've become phenomenally good at seeing the, the complexity of that web and how it can connect together. I don't see many other roles and people in organizations who are as good as we are at saying, you should pull this lever in order to affect change over there. I think that's our superpower. Now, one of the, the questions I, I, I think a lot, a lot of people in the audience are asking, probably a lot of our listeners right now, okay, I've just handed over 20, 30 hours of my billables. Now, what do I do? I, maybe do I raise my rates? How, how do I deal with the fact that I'm giving away some of the money I could be making to somebody else? How do I sort of help bridge that gap? Or how do you convince people to sort of bridge that gap and go, just let them do it. There's plenty of work to do. 
and, and here's the value add for you guys to do, to do this right, really, is what you're saying. Yeah, so I think there's more areas we can move into. I think when you start giving away some of the, the drone work, as you say, um, and stop trying to fight um, uh, to own all of the little pieces, we can start to identify areas where we can make bigger and different changes. We can start to move into areas like digital transformation and start to have conversations with people more senior in organizations. We can start to have input onto product and pricing and uh, customer support and other areas of businesses where we've been so busy fighting with broken websites and link building that we've not really optimized. There's other places we can play. Now, you obviously looked a lot into this stuff. Where would you say, and I know it from a couple of the questions you're asking the audience, but for our listeners, where are you seeing some of the biggest, well, not time wasters, it's work that needs to be done, but where SEOs, generally one of the higher paid of the, the, the people that, that's working on a website at any given time, where these SEOs are sort of wasting their time and, and, and what could they be better doing with that time? Sure, so this pains me deeply as somebody who identifies as a techie and a dev at heart. I think that almost all of technical SEO is time and energy burnt. I think there are so many thousands and thousands of SEOs who spend so many thousands, if not maybe millions of hours fixing the same things over and over again. And it's that ranges from, I know, 404s to broken canonical tags to slow pages to missing sitemaps. These are issues which shouldn't exist. These are things which are very well defined. They're binary right or wrong. They're well documented. And yet they break over and over and over again. And I think that goes back to the original question, which is this is um, because we try to own those things. And as soon as we allow developers and encourage sort of developers, as an example, um, as soon as we allow and encourage them to have an opinion on it and to understand it, rather than being these kind of unicorn gatekeepers of it, those things stop breaking and we stop wasting more time. But yeah, at the moment, so many of those hours are just burned going round and round in circles. And would you say, and, and I'm going to guess I know the answer here, but I, I didn't hear you cover it, would you say that bypassing those keys over, by, by talking to their tech, where you may be, like I consider myself a technical SEO, but I deal with companies with more skilled technicians, in, in, certainly in their platforms than I am, would you say that you would be enabling them to do a better job in, in a lot of cases than maybe you could? You'd do it right, but they know their back end a lot better than you do. Yeah, absolutely. So I think for um, once upon a time, SEO was a, a mystical discipline and it was all, um, all very unknown and very scary. I think we were way past those days. And actually, a lot of technical SEO in particular now is so close to just being web standards. It's about performance. It's about standardization. It's about uh, W3C standard markup. Things like page titles and descriptions, even canonical tags, aren't really SEO things. But because we've hoarded them and they've been in our <laughs> discipline for so long, and rightly so, the average developer has ignored them or been dismissive or not understood them. I think we need to fight to change that perspective and that share of ownership. These are things that they should understand that should be part of their job. And in particular, as you say, these people are much closer to um, their ecosystems. They understand their environments, their configurations, their limitations. These are the people who should be solving those problems. It's insane for us to live in a world still where we're sat pointing from the outside in and saying this bit's broken. We need to be helping them understand um, what the requirements are and helping them to um, fix it from the inside out. Now, something that I, I worry, like I'm, I'm thinking about what you're saying. I, I enjoyed your session a lot, obviously. I think there's a lot of value in it. As we're trying to do this transition, there's one company I'm thinking of. I'm sure all of our listeners who are part of agencies can have one company where they're like, yeah, it'd be great to hand it over. Your back end is, yeah. is it's in Ajax, right? Like it's an Ajax site. This is a nightmare. I'd love to pass this over to you. How do you begin that conversation without it seeming like you're trying to pass just past work? How do you convey that there will be new deliverables coming with this to a developer who's, if I know most of them, is already kind of overworked <laughs> anyway? Yeah, so they'll have a million tickets and they'll never get to it, obviously. Um, I think there was a really good talk yesterday by Heather, whose surname I forget, um, but it's absolutely brilliant, around... Um, how to effectively communicate um, long-term, how to, how to manage saying, here is our long-term vision and plan, alongside here are our immediate tactical priorities. And she had some really good frameworks for um, understanding where different organizations are at, what their capabilities are, and then how to make suitable and appropriate recommendations. I think there is a challenge in saying, your website is on fire, we need to throw it away and start again. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear that, especially not the people who are working on it day in, day out. They either know and they hate it already, or you're telling them that their child is ugly. There's no no way that conversation ever goes well. So um, it's got to be a really considered approach. You've got to frame it in terms of either um, the potential uplift or the opportunity cost and factor in things like people's time, the salaries, the other things they could be doing. You've got to really approach that as a, as a, a business case and a sophisticated 
sophisticated pitch in the same way that you would pitch for anything else. It's not enough just to say, this is broken, we need to start again and we need to fix it, because you're just going to annoy people. Right. Now, what, what would you say is the, the, the sort of biggest thing coming up that would, would lead to this? Like you're, you, And I remember your slides, and you sort of go, you know, here's the evolution of what's coming up. Where's our tipping point? What are we about to hit? And it sounded like there was one where it's just like, you, you can't, so I'm just going to save you like a good parent from falling <laughs> flat on your face, which is what's about to happen if you try and hoard everything. Yeah, sure. So there's a few things that are happening. Um, so I'm, um, I'm a massive WordPress geek, um, especially working for Yoast now. I'm all about suddenly open source and collaborative democratic SEO, which is awesome. Um, and I went to my first WordCamp conference oh, a couple of weeks ago now, and quite by chance I um, stumbled into a conversation with a few um, engineers and people from partner programs at Google. And there was a woman there who, um, who was responsible for a new team who worked directly with CMS platforms to fix technical problems and SEO problems at the source. And this is a brand new way of thinking for them. She said something like, um, they've worked for years and years and years and years with all these brands and publishers one at a time to try and help them optimize their sites and get them in Google News and get the right schema and the right JSON-LD and markup. And, and then the quote was incredible. She said, never once had they thought to ask them what CMS they were running. Like they're fixing these things one at a time, site by site. They're putting dev tickets in. They're having those difficult conversations. They've realized over well, 10 years that that's not very effective. And now they're saying, what happens if we have a dedicated team who can work to fix the underlying platforms? Now, not only that, that team's still quite small, so they don't have a huge amount of resource. They also want to move really freaking fast. So their mission is they want next week, to, for example, to roll out new types of schema or new types of standards the way they're going to do that is they're getting right in bed with WordPress. They are they have a dedicated team committed to working on and with WordPress, which powers 30% of the web at the moment and increasing. Um, they are collaborating directly in order to ship new markup and new formats straight to the, the broad internet. So whilst um, obviously everyone has opinions and preferences on platforms, and maybe you like WordPress, maybe you don't, maybe you like Drupal, maybe you like something else, um, now Google being directly involved in pushing WordPress as their vehicle for new standards and new opportunities will be uh, give it a huge amount of momentum. So even if you're not on WordPress, the fact that some of your competitors, even if they're one-man shop bloggers, for example, will certainly have huge advantages in terms of search engine real estate and rich markup and all sorts of other areas. So that's one angle. The other makes this even scarier is WordPress itself is undergoing a radical reinvention. There's a um, big process at the moment to transform the editing experience to a new framework called Gutenberg, um, which moves for everything from um, being very page-centric to being quite modular. So rather than having web pages of text, we have blocks of content and things like recipes and instructions become blocks and modular and interoperable. That allows um, Google to do some really smart stuff with schema, with indexing, with crawling, um, with performance, and will just make WordPress a phenomenal powerhouse. Then you couple that with the fact that that's their chosen vehicle for shipping new stuff into the web, that 30% becomes 40, becomes 50, and WordPress wins. And Google overnight have reinvented the web to be something that they prefer. The scary thing is none of the SEO industry are in that space. None of them are in the conversation. Like, I'm at a conference of 1,600 SEOs and not one of them has heard of Gutenberg. Like, this is really scary. So Google are reinventing the web underneath our noses, over in bed with WordPress and we're not there. So we need to get involved in those conversations and make sure that they don't mess it up. Okay, I'm gonna be following up in a second with how to get in touch with you, but I'm right now for the first time hearing about Gutenberg. <laughs> so where do I, and I'm sure all of my listeners, going to find out more about that. So there's loads of information um, on um, make.wordpress.org, I think, which is um, WordPress is kind of a um, site for going and getting involved, involved as a contributor. Um, you don't necessarily have to go that far, but there is information there about what Gutenberg is and how it works. Um, we've got a great blog post on yoast.com, somewhere on the blog if you search what is Gutenberg. I think it's one of the, the first resources, which is great. Um, there's certainly loads of information you can find there. If you want a more active voice in that conversation, go and dig deep into that Make WordPress site. Um, Gutenberg itself is open source, WordPress is obviously open source, and the teams responsible for Gutenberg are really understaffed, they're really busy, and they're really pressured, they are crying out for help. So if we as SEOs and digital marketers wade in, and we have opinions and expertise which is valuable to them and useful, um, they are crying out for people to document, to design, to code, to theorize, to debug. There are so many opportunities for us to have an opinion in that, which might just counterbalance against Google <laughs> deciding what they want to do with it. <laughs> And I mean, I've been following your work. I mean, you write for for all sorts of places. You're you're in all 
Yeah, you say a lot of smart stuff. <laughs> How do people keep up with you? Uh, so I'm on Twitter as John Alderson, J-O-N-O-A-L-D-E-R-S-O-N. Um, I blog occasionally on places like Moz and um, other places, uh, Yoast, obviously. Um, and I have uh, my site at johnawaldson.com, which lists uh, where I'm speaking. Um, there's a lot of events coming up over the next six months or so. Um, I'm blogging a lot less, but I'm speaking at a lot of things. So um, come see me on the road at um, wherever I'm going to be. Perfect. Thank you so much. That was John Alderson from Yoast. This is Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, here live at MozCon 2018. Now, we've uh, we've done it. We've blown through our time. We don't have, we don't even have time to say goodbye. So I think the uh, bed track is playing now. It's time for us to go out. Um, on behalf of Dave Davies from BeanstalkSEO.com, this is Jim Hedger from Webmaster Radio. You've been listening to Web College here on Webmaster Radio. Stay tuned. We got great content coming up on the network. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.